When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Burner. Burner is the nothing personal word of the day. It is Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. And the word is burner, as in burner phone, as in burnt bread, as in no bread. Happy Passover to those who celebrate. To those who aren't Jewish, here's what it means. We are commemorating the Jews' exodus out of Egypt, and he can't eat bread because he didn't have time for the bread, the yeast to rise, so you have to eat matzah, which can be tough on the tummy. You can make matzah brai, you can make matzah sandwiches, matzah with butter, matzah with cream cheese, and all of it is to say you spend time with your family, reading the story of Passover, and then you spend the time looking at your family and saying, Dayenu, which means it's enough. It would be enough. I think about that in sports all the time, actually. I spend a lot of time looking out in the field saying, Dayenu, we don't need a double there. We got a single. It's enough. But I want to look at it from a little negative standpoint. It's supposed to be like a positive, like all these great things happened. Dayenu, it's enough. It's great. How about some bad things that are just piling up? When you run a sport, when you run a team, when you run a business, it's a pretty simple rule. You want to keep revenues greater than expenses. So start with that as the general number one rule. Then you try to figure out in a sort of granular way, what makes revenues happen? People engaging with your product and then people buying your product. That's a revenue. What makes expenses happen? The people who get your product ready to be engaged in by other people, the money it takes to get that product ready. Revenues, expenses, that's number one. Number two, when you're trying to build your business, you want to have as little negative PR as possible. And in that way, I was an abject failure. Negative PR in sports is something that just seems to happen. Everybody's looking, it's sort of like negative PR in politics. It's just part of the game. It's what we do. We give you an opportunity to tell us how bad we are at what we're doing. Owners are individuals, mostly men, if not, yeah, mostly men. Let's say it's 90% men. Hugely successful in whatever line of work they've been in. They buy a sports team and all of a sudden they're running a team and they are thinking, wow, I just got cool overnight. Something just happened that now I'm famous. Something just happened that I can say whatever I want and it happens. Nobody says no to me. I can do anything. Give me a picture of that cheerleader. Coming up, sir. Trade for that player right now. Happy to do it. Burner phones are something that I learned about. I really didn't know about burner phones actually until I got into baseball. And I saw that there were players with multiple phones. And I saw there were executives with multiple phones. And I said, excuse me, why do you need multiple phones? Because 
part of what we did is provided cell phones for certain employees. That was a big thing back then where you gave cell phones to certain employees and then they had a, others had a monthly expense amount that they could use. Those were the days, right? Where we had everybody's cell phone records. We'd be checking out who called Ken Rosenthal. So a burner phone is a phone that's used to do things that you do not want your company to know you're doing, or you do not want your spouse to know you're doing, or your friend, or your children, or anybody. When people walk around and they drop two phones on the desk during a meeting, I always look at them and say, hey, you're not that cool. The first phone they say, well, that's my business phone. I only look at that for business emails. My second phone, that's my personal phone. So are there things going on in your personal life that you don't want your company to know about? Are there things going on with your company that you don't want your personal life to know about? Does anyone really give a flying rat's pituitary gland what's going on in either your personal life or your business life? The Arizona Cardinals are owned by a man named Michael Bidwell. Michael Bidwell decided, <laughs> this, is, this is a true story. This actually happened, allegedly. Although I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not allegedly, this actually happened. There was a GM named Steve Keim, but it doesn't matter what he does for a living or what happened to him, but suffice it to say that he got suspended for a horrific thing. You should not, for the love of God, with Uber and everything else, don't drink and drive. DUI should be zero. Even with one drink, there's no reason for it. Get a ride from a friend, walk, hitchhike, Uber, drink at home, do whatever you have to do. Anyway, he gets pulled over, whatever the case is, he's suspended. And the first thing that happens is burner phones are given out to the head of player personnel, Terry McDonough, and to the coach, a guy by the name of Steve Wilkes back then, who's the coach, you may know that name. He is the coach of the Cardinals who got fired after a season. And then he joined the Brian Flores discrimination lawsuit, the class action lawsuit against the NFL. And the thought was that burner phones were gonna be used to communicate with the suspended GM during the course of his suspension. So before I get into why this is all news today, do you think that burner phones are actually used by people during suspensions? No, it's not burner phones. You don't need burner phones to communicate with someone who's suspended. Do you know how many times I, I communicated with suspended managers or players? Hold on, wait for it. Let me think, I'm gonna tell you, zero. I could get along without Ozzie Gian for a couple of days. I could get along without Dee Gordon for a couple of months. You just get along. Those are the first two that come to my mind, but you just get along, you figure it out. When the GM is on a road trip, you speak to him every day. When the GM's at home, I used to speak to my GM every day. What would have happened if my GM had gotten suspended for DUI? I would have worked with the assistant GM because if your assistant GM is not as capable as your GM, then you're not hiring the right people. If your assistant GM is not ready to be a GM, then you're hiring the wrong people. When a player or a executive, an executive gets suspended, leave it be. But apparently in Arizona, according to Terry McDonough in a absolutely blazing arbitration claim filed against Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, claims that burner phones were handed out. He said, Terry McDonough, I don't wanna use the burner phone. We don't need it, we don't need him. And Bidwell started abusing him. 
started saying, you must use it, you must be in touch, you must help me break NFL rules. And Terry said, I don't wanna break the rules, I don't need to break the rules, we've got this covered. Why does any of this matter? Because Roger Goodell is now dealing with a fight where the results of that fight, if proven correct by Terry McDonough, will lead to the ouster of Michael Bidwell as owner of the Arizona Cardinals. If any part of what Terry McDonough is alleging in his claim turns out to be true, Michael Bidwell will go the way of Robert Sarver. The claims in the arbitration are about abuse, verbal abuse, about violation of rules, cheating, which is what it is with the burner phone. And apparently McDonough has all sorts of audio recordings and all sorts of potentially legally gotten recordings of things that took place between Bidwell and the rest of the front office. He's claiming that Bidwell violated the rights of pregnant women, violated the rights of minorities, violated the rights of Terry McDonough himself. This claim, this lawsuit, I'm gonna call it a lawsuit and arbitration claim. Those are synonyms for purposes of this conversation. Gets to the desk of the NFL because you get heard in front of an arbitrator who's Roger Goodell. That is how it works when you are an upper level employee in the NFL or in MLB and you've got a lawsuit, you actually have to prove that you deserve to be heard in court because the general view and in your contract it states that any claim against your boss or your owner deriving from actions taken during the course of your job will be heard by an arbitrator named Roger Goodell or named Rob Manford. There can be independent arbitrators. You can put it into state or federal court. No reason to get technical about it, except to say Roger Goodell has something on his desk and he's got to figure out what to do. When the Cardinals get served with this, do you know what they do? They decide, how are we gonna to respond to this? The Cardinals ended up, which is incredible, hiring a guy named Jim McCarthy. Jim McCarthy makes a living as an external PR advisor. He is someone who's one of those crisis communications people, I assume, someone who gets hired when you've got a real problem. Oh my God, what do we do? We gotta say something, what should we say? Here's an idea, say nothing. No matter what someone alleges about you, say nothing. Anything you say can and will be held against you in a court of law. Pretend you've gotten the Miranda rights. It turns out that Jim McCarthy at the insistence of Bidwell, because if Jim McCarthy did what he did without being told to do it, that's malpractice. He released what took me seven minutes to read of a statement. We're showing it to you live on uh, YouTube. Nothing personal with David Sampson is the channel. You can find it in The Athletic, you can find it. There's links to it everywhere. The full statement goes through piece by piece of why Terry McDonough is a domestic abuser, a crazy person, a liar, a cheat, and there is not one reason to believe one thing this guy says. Absolutely destroying him. Absolutely becoming personal in a way that I have not seen from a response from a crisis PR person. Terry McDonough is alleging things against Bidwell, fine. 
That does not mean that the NFL should support the owner or the NFL should allow the owner to release a statement like what Bidwell released. How relevant is it when you are calling Terry McDonough crazy, talking about the problems he's had at home, the problems he's had in the office, all of the issues? It looks like the equivalent of Daniel Snyder telling the president, Bruce Allen, or other people in the commanders, hey, I knew nothing. This was all you. But that's not even what the statement does. The statement actually implicates Terry while saying that Bidwell did nothing. And if what Bidwell is saying actually happened, Bidwell is the single worst owner in the history of sports. Do you know what I would do if I had an employee doing the things that Terry McDonough is alleged to have done in that crisis PR response? Shit can him. They said they just changed his position. They lowered his salary. They put notes in his file. I've run a team. That's not what you do with someone who's done what Terry appears to have done, according to Bidwell's PR people, which really means by the transitive property of PR, that's what Bidwell told McCarthy to say. This ends in a very, very bad way. Let's start with this. When you have an employee, if you want to apply this to your own world, if you are an employee or you have an employee and the following thing is happening, you realize that you are doing things in the office that are not appreciated by your boss and the boss has told you about those things, start looking for another job. They're papering the file to get rid of you. If you are a boss and you have a reason to get rid of someone and you're worried about a lawsuit, but you've done nothing wrong, get rid of them because the lawsuit won't win. If you are the owner of a team who has an employee who's got the goods on you because you've been doing things that are inappropriate, wrong, racist, misogynist, and in every other way, not conduct becoming an owner of a team, you got yourself a problem. Either pay off the employee to go away, give him 3x his salary and contract and say, let's go a different direction and have them sign a piece of document which says, by the way, please don't say anything. Oh God, am I talking about hush money? Hush money, has that come up in the news recently? I wonder if paying hush money is a reason to get indicted. And I'm not telling you where I am politically. No, generally it's not. Hush money is actually something that's a little different. That's what companies do every time you sign a separation agreement. Guess what that is? Raise your hand if you know, anybody? It's called hush money payments. When you get let go, your HR department will say to you, here's the separation agreement. We'll give you six months severance or three months severance. Just sign here. Here's a little hint what you're signing. You're signing a document that says you can never say one thing bad about anybody or they can come after you. And believe me, they'll come after you with all the might of all the lawyers and PR people in the world. They're going to do it. Where does this end? This ends with Roger Goodell deciding that he's got to hear this case. This ends with Terry McDonough never getting a job in sports again because he went scorched earth. This ends with Michael Bidwell very likely being forced to go the way of Sarver because if any part of what McDonough is alleging is true, forget the fines that are gonna happen. Forget the taking away of draft picks, they're gonna happen. If it's true what he's done to minorities and to women and they're found out to be true through evidentiary, 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 have you ever said a word that doesn't sound right, but you think it is right? Through the process where evidence is brought forward 
and it is clear and convincing proof of this behavior. See you later, Mikey. I mean, of course, you're going to get a couple bill for your team, but you're done. We'll be following this story. Here's my phone. No burner. Business. Pleasure. It's all right here. God, the Mets stink. All right, Matt, Scott, and the other millions of Met fans out there, I just have a little message here for Steve Cohn, just a little tiny message. This just occurred to me. It's not part of the rundown, but I just wanted to give you all a little message. There's a lot of tension. You've been outscored 19 to nothing in the last two games. You got all excited by beating the Marlins three out of four games. Max Scherzer gave up back-to-back -back home runs last night. Panic abounds. The bullpen stinks. There's nine pitchers on the injured list. No one can hit. Here's a little message. Do you know what Steve Cohn's doing right now? Because I've been there at a slow start or when your team's underperforming. He is in a cave of delusion. He's not going to add to the team right now. He's not going to make changes to the team right now. He's going to take whatever Billy Epler says. Hey, we should move this guy up, this guy down, this guy around. And he'll let Billy Epler make a few roster moves, no problem. But Steve Cohn is saying to himself, for the love of God, how much more money do I have to spend in order to get a winning team here? Because I'm going to keep going. And maybe Carlos Correa would have made the difference. Look at the Twins. They're 4-1. and one. Steve Cohn, like other new owners, is not willing to acknowledge the fact that six games in, you should be saying nothing about your team. All of the conclusions that are being drawn right now, it's absurd. Here's the equivalent, just so we can give it. Do you know how every football game is 10 baseball games? So this would be going through an offseason, putting your NFL team together, and at halftime of the opening game of the season, because that's where we are, about five or six games in, which is about halfway through the first game of the NFL season, halftime, the owner walks in. Hi, my name is John Cocktoast, and I'm the owner of the team. You're all fired. It's absurd. Literally ridiculous. So everyone keep calm. There is one thing that I'm less calm about right now. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I may be convinced after only a week, and I'm the one who said it has to be months and years of studying this, but I'm watching games, and I, I do you know that the Twins lost their first game to the Marlins in an hour and 57 minutes yesterday? It was a three-hit shutout, a gem tossed by the reigning Cy Young Award winner, Sandy Alcantara. An hour 57. I was so jealous. I never had an hour and 57 minute game. A win no less. Yeah, we lost a couple of 220s when it was Maddox and Smoltz and Glavin shoving it or when we were losing every game to the Mets. But that type of game, that type of pace of action, I don't know if you're watching the people who are starting to take victory laps, but just pay close attention to the politics behind these changes. There are early reasons to believe that the changes made to baseball are going to be helpful. There are reasons to believe that what happened with Manny Machado last night where he struck out on a pitch clock violation, which is a really batting clock violation, there are reasons to believe that these things will just become part of the fabric, that Carlos Carrasco will get in better shape and will not worry about the pitch clock going forward, that incidences of violations will go down, that game times will continue to go down from where they are,
from where they were at the end of last year, there are reasons to believe that all sorts of great things are happening. Take a look around the commissioner's office about the politics of the commissioner's office. They've got Theo out there doing interviews, going on podcasts, going on shows, doing articles, doing interviews. Why do you think that is? Do you think he gets to do that without asking permission of the commissioner or of Pat Courtney, the head of PR? Just spitballing here whether or not you're aware of how that works. No one from the commissioner's office says one thing publicly without Pat Courtney and the rest of the PR people saying it's okay. No one makes an appearance. No one gives a quote in an article. Nothing that is not pre-approved. And Pat's not going to approve it without speaking to Rob. Rob is getting a victory lap right now because there are articles being written, including The Athletic. Molly Knight wrote a great article about could this be, it was not, it may not have been Molly Knight. It may have been, just read The Athletic. I apologize, apologize if it's not Molly. We're live. It could have been Brit. I'm not positive. Anyway, an article about Rob Manford and the job he's doing and how this could be his great moment. Theo's out there talking about what he did, but giving credit to the commissioner, saying if there are gonna be tweaks to these rules, we'll look at the pitch clock, we'll look at the shift, we'll look at the size of bases, we'll look at all these things, but we're gonna have to talk to the commissioner. All these things make me smile because the commissioner, his job is to keep owners aligned, to figure out when his extension is going to come, just like Roger Goodell's extension, figure out the fact that he's gonna get paid more money for another term and start figuring out who's next. You may think that that's a little thing that really doesn't actually happen. The politics of who's gonna be the next commissioner, we're gonna have about 20 topics about this during the course of the next five years, eight years, no doubt about it. But it is very telling to me who's speaking about what, when and where. Pay attention. Does this mean that Theo is in line to be the next commissioner? News alert, he doesn't have the votes. Not going to happen. But that said, doesn't that make perfect sense why he'd be the one out front talking about these things? Not letting anyone possibly get more attention than the commissioner? This is good business by the commissioner. I compliment the commissioner in doing this. This is how you run a company. This is how you take care of an industry, how you take care of your players, your employees, and yourself. This is a class in how to take advantage of good times. So watch for it. It's happening right in front of us. All right, when we come back, I'm gonna ask a very simple question. I'm gonna ask how movies get green lit and how scripts get green lit and then how actually when the person presses upload where a movie goes onto a channel and then gets disseminated to mi millions of people, that's a dollar, sorry. How does that happen? And then we're gonna talk a little about what's going on with Alec and Alex. Two different people, we'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Gwen, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We specialize in die-cast metal miniature gun models that you didn't know you've been looking for. Called Goat Guns. Ah, yes, Goat. They are the greatest of all time gun models you can display on your desk. Buy, build and collect them. We offer a 90-day return policy if you don't love yours. Start your collection at GoatGuns.com. Hi, it's David Sampson. Welcome back. Matthew Koch and I are here every day. Tune in tomorrow. Tomorrow we are going to choose a winner. You have to be in the chat. For those of you on the West Coast, I'm sorry. You got to wake up early. Set your alarms. Live, 8 a.m., get into the, I think there's a private chat that goes on where part of watching the show live, you can be chatting back and forth with Coca or with yourselves. There will be a question asked within the chat and the first correct answer is going to get a piece of memorabilia. We are celebrating, I'm not sure why, although I'm appreciative, 12,000 subscribers. I think we're ahead of that now. The show is growing because of you. You're listening, you're watching, keep doing that. It is much appreciated by us. So when Adam Sandler signs a deal to make movies for Netflix, is there anything written where the movies have to be decent? Or is it just all about volume? Like let's sign these talents to contracts and let's pump out as many movies as possible and then people are just gonna watch them. Guilty. I watched Murder Mystery 2 the other day. I think I reviewed Murder Mystery one, but they called it just Murder Mystery at the time with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler. And I believe I may have reviewed it as putting the M in mediocre. But of course I'm gonna watch Murder Mystery 2 because I'm committed to watching everything that Adam Sandler does. That, he's earned that from me. And so I started thinking while watching this absolute ridiculous movie that had not one redeeming quality, not one. The script, the cast, fun to look at, but not fun to watch act. The storyline, it was bad, worse, worser, badder. Not like George Thurgood type of bad to be good or bad to the bone. I'm talking unwatchable, drivel. Skip Murder Mystery 2. But why is it that these movies, does someone watch that and say, we got this, we got it. People are gonna love it. And then they get the numbers back and then they get confirmation bias, like, look at all this, it's the number two stream movie in Netflix history. This was great, great work, everybody. What about the intelligence of other scripts, the intelligence of well-made movies? Why are we going to the lowest common denominator of Drek? I just don't know the answer to that. 
And I wonder whether the people in charge are so delusional that they look solely at the numbers and they say, wow, we're doing great work, let's keep it up. Murder Mystery 2 is an absolute waste of my time and I will not stop watching Adam Sandler movies because he deserves it, but I will not let you waste your time. Murder Mystery 2, hard pass. All right, let's give you some updates on two stories that we had talked about. Do you remember when Max Fried started the season, uh, first start for Atlanta, and he grabbed his hamstring? There's a show that we did. My guess is it was the day after opening day, which would make it the March 31st show, if you want to go back. And I talked to you about when hamstrings get hurt and how players get put on the IL. Well, guess what? Max Fried was put on the IL by the Braves. I believe Coco, was that a, an official wait to see or was it just something that I told you was going to happen during the course of the next few days? Either way, it was a tweet. Thank you. It's very confusing between wait to sweet sees and tweets. I was gonna say wait to tweets. Tweets and Insta posts, and now there's these little things you can do only to your followers on Instagram. And it's not a subscription, but if you're at David P. Sampson, follow me on Instagram, and you can do little messages, like 60 character messages, like, hi, today's Wednesday. Who gives a crap? No, but I can come up with some good messages like, oh my God, my tummy hurts. Or wait a minute, I'm in Iowa. Like there's all sorts of different messages you could come up with. I may do that. But Max Fried was put in the IL, as I told you, hamstrings are no joke. He's gonna be out several weeks at a minimum because it's gotta be perfect. The other update that happened, I wanna give a shout out to Caitlin Clark. I wanna give a shout out to Angel Reese the LSU and Iowa player. We talked about this the day after the women's championship. So I that could have been on Monday's show. I'm not positive. And what we talked about is the back and forth they had and the fact that it became a really a race issue. We did an entire segment on that. Then we talked about how Jill Biden, the first lady invited or wanted to invite Iowa to the White House. And I told you in a recent show, that's preposterous. It's never going to happen. They did walk it back. And here's how that went. The communications person for Joe Biden strolled over. It was like an episode of West Wing. Strolled over to the communications person for Jill Biden and said, listen, I appreciate that she went to the game. Joe really does love Jill. You know, separate bedrooms notwithstanding. I mean, just kidding. I don't even know if that's true, but it wouldn't be out of the question. But do me a favor. Could you make sure that you've got a statement ready to go in the next 12 minutes that says very clearly that you did not intend to invite Iowa, the loser of the championship game, to the White House right now? We're not doing it. It's not coming from Joe. It's not coming from the president's comms team. It's coming from you and your comms team. Let's go right now. They walked it back so fast that your head would spin, as they should have. Got a little ahead of herself. Speaking of the Braves, God, I did that in the wrong order, Coca. It was supposed to be Biden walks back the Iowa plan, then talk about Freed be put on the IL, so then I could say that we had the Braves in the nothing personal pick of the day and they won. I can't believe I screwed that up. All right, I don't even want to redo it, but if you want to just, do you want to do one of those wipes again that we do during commercials on the YouTube live show that's so awesome, where you just wipe it ready and wipe it. Did you wipe it? I can't even tell.
We wiped it, baby. Did you know that the White House and Jill Biden had to walk back the invitation of Iowa to the White House? Did you know that Max Fried was put on the IL? Nothing, personal pick of the day. We're 46 and 49. We had the Braves over the Cardinals. Coco, were the Braves underdogs in that game? I actually don't know what the line was. I just was choosing the winner in baseball, which is how to do it. Braves over Cardinals. They were underdogs, plus 115. Hell yeah, you got a little plus money. We're 46 and 49. Let's talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. And let's talk about something that's going on with them. They have a pitcher going tonight named Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa is somebody who finished in the top five, I would guess, in Cy Young last year. He is someone whose stuff is heavy and good, and it plays. They are a team that I expect to win the American League East. They are a team with a lineup that, mm, top to bottom, sort of rivals the Braves in terms of depth and ability to hit and win games. They are playing the Kansas City Royals tonight with Zach Greinke. The Kansas City Royals are terrible. One of the have-nots in baseball. They're going to lose a hundo or at least close to a hundo along with several other teams. My guess is they're huge favorites, actually, Coca. But we're picking Manoa over Greinke as our pick of the day. The thing about, that's the Blue Jays over the Royals. The thing about Manoa and what he does that I love is he is very, very emotional on the field. And I love it now that I'm out of baseball way more than I loved it when I was in baseball. One of the things about when a pitcher, and Jose Fernandez was the greatest example of this, someone who was so exuberant that he did not mind showing up players on the other side. And he didn't do it out of malice or out of anger. He did it out of love of the game. He did it out of the thrill of competition. I got the best of you. I'm going to yell a scream like a primal tribal scream. And I'm going to say how great I am and how you stink. Alec Manoa does something similar to that. And now I look and say, that's awesome. When you're running the team, you have to worry about BBM. BBM is bulletin board material. And you really don't want to create that and you talk to your players about not creating it. And one of you asked me a question about something specific to Alec Manoa. You know what I want? <laughs> I wanna talk to Samson. So you wanna talk to Samson. Get in my Twitter, that's a character from Half-Baked. Get in Twitter at David P. Samson, you can DM it. You can find a way to find me on Instagram, David P. Samson. You can ask a question in a review on Apple or to Spotify rate and review, just find me. I'm pretty accessible, that's for sure. I just read about the comments made by Alex Verdugo about Alec Manoa. What do you think, David? Would you speak to either one of these players about this issue? Well, thank you for asking. Let me give you a story about what's going on here. Alex Verdugo, as you know, is the player who was traded to the Red Sox in the Mookie Betts trade. Well, you may not have known that, but maybe you do, maybe you don't. So Alex Verdugo goes on a podcast with a guy named Rob Bradford. It's called Baseball Isn't Boring. And he's basically saying that I'm fine with on-field celebrations, but what Alec Manoa does crosses the line. And he said, if it's a genuine reaction and it's for the boys, not directed towards somebody, then yeah, it's fine. Like I'll say it right now. I think Alec Manoa goes about it the wrong way. 100% I think he does. 
What Alex is referring to is Alec, after striking out batters or after getting big outs, he tends to look right at the hitter and scream, I got you. What Verdugo is saying is, I like the emotion, but look to the other way. Look to your dugout. Pump up your teammates. Yell toward your shortstop. Here's the problem with what Alex is saying about what Alec does. What Alec does is what comes to you during competition when you get the best of somebody. Have you ever seen Shaquille O'Neal throw down Chris Dudley and stand over him? Have you ever seen what happens when you posterize someone in the NBA? Have you ever seen what's called taunting in the NFL? It is the most natural thing in the world to celebrate something that you've done in a very binary world, which is sports. If you've done something great, the odds are someone else has done something terrible and it all adds up to zero at the end. I guess individual sports, you can hit a hole in one that really has, who do you celebrate with? Maybe the crowd? Can you imagine hitting a hole in one and then going, hell yeah, right to, the, right to your partner like at the Masters, which start, I think, tomorrow? I think that'd be funny, but in team sports, if something good happens to your team, it means something bad happened to another team. If you've done something good for your team, that means someone who you did it against did something bad. So what Alex Verdugo is saying about Alec is don't celebrate with anyone other than your team. That is the single most unrealistic request that I've seen in a quite a long time. If this were happening on my team and it did happen on my team, would I say something to the player? No. I never said one word to Jose other than don't get thrown out of a game. That's it. If you pump yourself up by showing up the other team, then you got to be ready that one of your teammates is going to get hit in the head. And if your teammate gets hit in the head, then you're going to have to explain why it's your fault. If you want to retaliate and then you retaliate and then there's a retaliation, there are ripple impacts of you showing up someone on the other team. If you are okay with that inside the clubhouse, then I'm okay with it. My philosophy always was let the clubhouse police itself in matters of retaliation. Would we ever go down and say, hey, you better be popping that guy right in the numbers. That's where we would call. We would call for the numbers or the tushy. We would never call for someone's head. That was reserved for Larusa. We would not do that. But many times you leave it to the clubhouse to figure it out on their own. If Alex, Alex's teammates in Toronto had an issue with what he was doing, then they would deal with him. It is not up to Alex of the Red Sox to say a word. And as a sport, I don't mind when players from other teams are chirping at each other. I don't necessarily think it's a positive, but I also don't think it's a negative. I just sort of think it's there. I don't think it creates a Red Sox-Blue Jays rivalry. I don't think it all of a sudden makes more people watch the game or go to the game. Oh my God, I wonder what Alex is going to do to Alec. I don't think people act that way, so I'm more tempted to let it be. So would I speak to either one of these players? No, I really wouldn't. There are players I would speak to at certain times. Can we talk about the Dallas Mavericks and what an absolute disaster they are? Word came out yesterday or the day before that the Mavericks are considering not playing Luka or Kyrie in their last couple games. If they're not, they're not. <laughs> First of all, Coco, what are the standings currently? I believe the Mavericks are in 11th place. 
where they are very likely a game back of OKC or some other team to even make the play-in. Do I think there's a chance that the Mavericks miss the playoffs? Yes, I do. It would be one of the great upsets. It's like the Angels missing the playoffs because they've got two players who are considered two of the top players in the NBA. I consider that any team with Kyrie Irving is a team that's made worse by his existence on the team. Once the Mavericks do not make the playoffs, we've got about four wait to sees about Kyrie's trade to Dallas, and all of them are coming true about how bad that would be for Dallas. And now word has come out. Coke is putting something on the screen that I cannot see. I'm going to put my glasses on just to let you know that something. That's why watching live really does. It's awesome. They're a game and a half behind the thunder. Everyone got that? <laughs> Coke, I'm old. I'm blind. Help me. I'm looking at 1.5ers. I am not going to 175. I don't care if I have to squint and I have to rub my eyes because they're tired. 1.5. That's it. So Mark Cuban trades a ton of capital to get Kyrie Irving. I tell you that that's going to hurt the team, not help it. It ends up hurting the team. Now you've got people in the media saying, is it Kyrie or is it Luca? I'm not sure I understand that. When you know that you're bringing in a player who's had a hard time everywhere he's been where LeBron wasn't a teammate, and then it happens again, and you say to yourself, wait a minute, it must be my guy, Luca, and not the one we brought into the mix. When you make a deadline trade like the Mavericks did, you are taking a chance. And the only thing worse than taking a chance and having it fail is taking a chance, having it fail, and then doubling down that the failure was temporary and that it's going to turn around to become a success because your ego says you don't want to acknowledge that you had a failure. Words coming out that the Mavericks are going to extend and sign Kyrie Irving. I have a way to see that Luka Doncic is going to win a title before Trey Young. And that may be from a couple of years ago. I'll never forget saying it. I am DBR, despondent beyond repair. Because if the Mavericks sign Kyrie Irving, it means that the only way Luka is going to win a title before Trey is if the Mavericks trade Luka. Why double down on a mistake? Ego is such an amazing thing in sports. They're doubling down. Do you not see what went to hell here? Now, Luka's saying the right thing. Lucas saying, I'm not sitting out if we have a chance to make the playoffs. Damian Lillard said the same thing. I'm not going to sit out if we have a chance to make the playoffs. Once we don't have a chance to make the playoffs, eh, I'm okay to be shut down. Do you not, anything clicking in your brain right now about our conversations about the NBA regular season, about load management, about getting rid of the regular season, about if players don't care about the regular season, why should we care about the regular season? It is absolutely absurd. Can you imagine if baseball players, once their team was eliminated, said, you know what? We're shutting it down. Half the players would only play half the year, even with the expanded playoffs. Who exactly would line up for the Tigers or the Royals? I'm just asking. Who's going to play for the Nationals? Nah, I'm going to shut it down. Can you imagine signing a veteran to play for a bad team and the veteran just says, ah, I'm good. We're good. The young players will keep playing because they want to get paid. It's like young players for teams that stink. They want to keep going because they want to get the stats up, maybe get a mid-level exemption, maybe get a great free agent deal where they're overpaid because of the salary cap. All those things are possible. 
But when you sign someone who's supposed to be the best player on your team or amongst the captains or one of the best players, you play it out. Take it seriously. The game matters. How about the integrity of the game? Adam Silver's got to do something. He just did the new CBA where he thinks he took care of load management through that minimum required games to win a postseason award. It's a bunch of horse hockey. I want to see Adam Silver and the union agree that players who decide to be shut down are suspended. And owners stand up and say, you know what? I'd rather have them suspended. The players won't because the players don't get paid. Owners say we want to shut down our guys. We don't want them to get hurt. You think that that's what same saving Luca, having to miss three games or five games at the end of a season, where all of a sudden Lillard's going to come back and be better and better rested to start next year for the Trailblazers? It's completely ridiculous. The problem with the Mavericks is that they stink. And they stink because they brought in Kyrie, who's done nothing but hurt them. And the impact of them missing the playoffs, the impact of them potentially getting a top 10 pick, which is protected in a trade that they had made. There are reasons now for front offices to do even worse than tanking. Tanking to me is when you do not have a good quality of your product going into a season. Way different than what's going on when you shut it down at the end of a season. You don't go from competing to tanking. Tanking is a frame of mind, a state of being for your front office before the season starts. When things don't go well and you decide to switch courses to shut it down toward the end of the season, can't have it, can't have it. I wonder whether Mark Cuban is saying to himself, you know, look at the Knicks. The Knicks are gonna play the Cavaliers in the first round. Donovan Mitchell of the Cavs is the four seed. The Knicks are the five seed. Jalen Brunson signed that deal where the Knicks got in trouble because he actually agreed to the deal before he was a free agent. Mark Cuban thought Brunson was gonna come back but disrespected him. Luca thought Brunson was gonna come back. Luca actually, as part of this whole sitting the rest of the season part, had said, man, I really do miss Jalen Brunson. Was that a little slight to Kyrie? Was it a little uh to Mark Cuban? Was it just a recognition that the way the Mavericks are being built is bad? When players say things about other players or about their team, it's always purposeful. Players are not bozos. They know what they're doing, what they're saying, and why they're saying it. There's an agenda there. You don't think Luca wants Cuban to understand that the way he's doing it, Luca's career is passing by with zero success? Zero. Would it have been better and smarter for the Mavericks to keep Jalen Brunson? Hindsight's 2020. I'm not willing to play that game. I've done too many transactions where in the rearview mirror they were better than I thought they'd be or where they were worse than I thought they'd be. But the only data point for me is a transaction done at the time I do it. What is the information I know at the time I do it? Did they think that Jalen Brunson wanted too much money or that the Knicks were gonna match it? Did they think that Luka had enough with who he had on the team for them to make a deep run into the playoffs? Of course they thought it, that's why they had the team they had. Did Cuban have to do something at the deadline to try to snap them out of their malaise? Of course he did. When you make the wrong move, don't double down. Acknowledge it and move on.
because it's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. Happy Passover, everybody. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.